Welcome to Cool Sword Blogcast. Why hasn't China collapsed yet? Because nation states are resilient little devils. See y'all Wednesday. You're looking at me like you want details. You know I hate details. Okay, okay, so here goes. Despite all the YouTube videos swearing that China will collapse in 38 days, China hasn't collapsed after nearly eight months. Well, first off, if some kid in his basement can figure out when China is going to go belly up, so can China. The CCP is kind of attached to staying in power, so once they know they need to do something fast, they do it. Drowning nation states do have enough sense to grab the life preserver. Mind you, if they know they only have 38 days, they're probably more worried about getting out than stopping the collapse, but the principle is the same. The reasonable nation-state can correct course before going over the cliff. The CCP is not reasonable, but they aren't stupid either. They're not going to go down without a fight. So, can China save itself and get back on shore? Sure, but they won't. It's a lot easier to swim without concrete blocks tied to your feet. The CCP could free itself, but it won't. It could probably survive politically by admitting to one failing. But the CCP has a list a mile long and growing. The Chinese people only have so much patience, and that's already exhausted. The CCP can't look incompetent, or the whole house of cards will come down hard. They also can't look weak or out of control. The CCP has to at least look like it's living up to its responsibilities. Unfortunately, the curtain fell down and everyone can see the little guy behind in the corner. Translation, the CCP is on borrowed time. I'm not Nostradamus. I don't know how long they have. The 2030 date seems reasonable, but the CCP keeps having hold my beer moments that will probably speed things up. A decade seems forever, but that's lightning fast in political terms. Internally, the insane overreaction to C-19 has done massive damage to the trust the people have in their already flaky government. The economic fallout is just a really sad bonus. The Chinese system is best described as Byzantine, with apologies to Byzantium. I'm sure there are experts out there who can have a better grip on China's system than I do, but I don't think even the Chinese really know how the heck their system truly works. This is a feature of authoritarian systems, not a bug. But there are some rules, sort of. Basically, it seems like a pseudo-federal system with administrative duties farmed out to local governments, but no true authority farmed to them. The CCP makes all the decisions at the national level. Local governments carry them out whatever way they can. Those of you thinking that that's a stupid system, you're right. It doesn't work for them either. But if you have a growing economy with a lot of cash, you can sweep a ton of stuff under the rug. Everything looks great until someone trips over the rug or the cash runs out. The local governments find themselves with a rev or rather fund themselves with revenue from land leases. I'll spare us all the details, but that's the gist. Again, works fine until the housing market drops. Presently the housing market is in free fall, 
But the CCC, uh, CCP expects the local governments to meet all the goals set by the CCP. Ever have a boss that had no idea what you actually do, but who keeps giving you targets to meet? It's like that, only a thousand times worse. Local governments are cornered. They have lost their revenue, so they're borrowing to meet the requirements. Estimates place China's debt around $9 trillion, with a T. It's like China saw the U.S. debt and yelled, Hold my beer! China's GDP isn't nearly high enough. This is so seriously bad that the CCP is trying to rein in local governments. Remember what happened when they tried that with the housing market? This does not end well. In the meantime, China's trying to prove it is a military power. They have three diesel-powered aircraft carriers and have succeeded in blue water exercises. Compared to the U.S. military, they're a toddler with a knife. More danger to themselves than others at the moment, unless you're a neighbor without U.S. protection. China does bullying well. It has a long way to go to challenge the U.S. militarily. But the attempt takes money and resources. Speaking of which, we have the ever-popular, overblown, and over-budget Belt and Road Initiative. It probably was a debt trap diplomacy thing, but it is now an open question as to which side of the debt the trap China is on. They have loaned billions to countries that are not economically advantaged at the best of times. Now is not the best of times, and most of those nation states are in trouble, and many are looking to default. China is being called on to forgive a lot of that debt, as well as restructuring much of the rest. Translation, China ain't getting that money back anytime soon. If they start hoovering up assets, they will lose the confidence of the third world nations that they are lending to, meaning the BRI is over. But they also can't afford to take such huge losses. Then Russia decided to screw up everything. Europe refuses to back down on the Ukraine thing, and China is learning just how hard real negotiations actually are. Russia has has to have some kind of tangible win. Ukraine can't afford the tangible loss. NATO has zero intention of giving Russia any funny ideas about trying this crap ever again. If China backs Russia, it will lose the markets it depends on. If China backs Ukraine, they will face Russian ire, which will cost them in oil, gas, and water, and very possibly a war with Russia in a decade or two. So far, China has succeeded in getting its foot all the way down to its tonsils in its diplomatic efforts. China looks stupid and awkward, and that's the good news. China's entire foreign policy seems aimed at ticking off as many Western nations as possible. The U.S. and the European Union have had about enough. They will put up with China as they slowly move their trade elsewhere. We're not decoupling, but our train ain't in the station anymore. China's economy is based on making stuff for other countries to buy. Primarily, that's by assembling the finicky bits that other countries already made. They can make semiconductors for toasters. 
Taiwan, the U.S., Japan, South Korea, and Germany make the fancy chips for smartphones and guided munitions. Can we see a potential problem with ticking off all the people you depend on? Well, evidently China can't. China has one undisputed border with Myanmar, I think. Maybe another with Mongolia, but it's actually easier to count the number of borders it doesn't have disputes of. Yep, both Russia and India have border disputes with China. They'll dispute with Myanmar, too, but they need the current junta to support their pipeline to the Myanmar ports. The theory is that it will let them secure oil supplies without India or the U.S. being able to shut them down. Now, I'm far from an expert, but I can read a map. Let's just say this won't work if either the U.S. or India decides not to let it. India is more likely than the U.S., but since the U.S. isn't on good terms with China, we're not going to help them with India if India decides they want to be a jerk about it. The U.S., for its own part, could just skip the whole conflict by stopping the flow of oil from the Persian Gulf. That part is very easy. We stop protecting their shipping and let the Iranians and the UAE know it. Better get that planned nuclear aircraft carrier built, China. But China and Iran are friends now, right? Not hardly. More like a first blind date. Neither has the a clue and neither trusts the other. They are united in their hatred of the U.S. and Iran wants China's help in keeping their very restive population tamed. Probably. At the very least, it will take time to build a real working relationship. Iran may be having third thoughts given how China is dealing with its only actual ally, Pakistan. Pakistan needs another bailout. China has been loaning them money, way more money than they will ever hope to repay. Pakistan, in a surprise to no one, is tanking and looking to China for rescue. It's not clear if China is even picking up the phone. If, even if China backs Khan and gets him reinstalled, the economy is shot and China's help over the years has made it much, much worse. China will likely have to pony up to keep up appearances. Saudi Arabia isn't much better. Sure, they want to sell lots of oil to China, but SA's halcyon oil days are clearly numbered. Without U.S. backing, Saudi Arabia has lots and lots of very local and very willing-to-invade enemies. The Saudis are afraid the U.S. is losing interest, because we are, and that the U.S. will pull out on them eventually. Given their tendencies to slaughter journalists, we just might. Saudi Arabia's unique in its incompetence. They are still basically at medieval levels of industrialization. All the modern stuff is done by foreigners, mostly the U.S. We've sold them lots of military gear and taught them how to use it. But they can't build even the most basic parts themselves. We pull out, and they will quickly have a lot of very big, very expensive paperweights to try and throw at their enemies. China's military stuff is unproven, but its jets do fly, and so far, the aircraft carriers haven't needed a tugboat to go out with them. That beats Russia. 
the Saudis are in the market for a new bestie with shiny boom-boom sticks that work. China puts the bill. Yay, China. Who knows, in a few decades, that might work out. Trouble is, neither the Saudis nor China have that long. It's not a good thing when most of your foreign policy depends on the U.S. deciding to just go home. Any one of those problems that I just listed would be enough to rock any nation-state. It will take a miracle for China to survive them all. A miracle or good friends. That's what China needs. And they're fresh out of both. <laughs>